Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. Coming up on today's episode, we're delving into the complex, confusing world of teenagers. What's it like to be one of them today? And what are the joys and pitfalls around raising them? With me to discuss this challenging stage of parenthood was Irish Times journalist Kitty Holland and her 17-year-old daughter, Rosie. They spoke to me about all aspects of their relationship, the highs, the lows, the trust, the roller coaster of emotions, and of course, the powerful bond which keeps it all together. Rosie also gave us a fascinating and very honest insight into life as a teenager today. Also here to speak about raising teenagers was mum of seven, Jen Hogan. Jen has literally written the book on parenting. In 2017, she released The Real Mum's Guide to Surviving Parenthood. So she had some great wisdom to share with us. I think you're really going to enjoy this open and honest discussion about the teenage years. Rosie, you have very bravely come into your mother's workplace to talk about teenage uh, mother-daughter relationships. So what is your relationship like with your mother, Kitty Holland? Uh, wow, what a question. Um, obviously, me and my mum get on like two best friends most of the time. Um, but I think like naturally with any mother and daughter, because you are so close and you kind of like go through the first few years of your life and then obviously more of it as well, kind of sharing everything with your mum, you do kind of get to that like stage with them going through life where you can where you can clash a lot and end up fighting with them a lot. So I definitely have that with my mum as well. Um, but yeah, no, my relationship with mum was great. When it comes to those clashes or conflicts, what do they usually centre around? Usually money. <laughs> <laughs> Me dipping into her wallet looking for a bit of cash for going out. But um, yeah, no, that's mostly it. Me and my mum don't actually fight a lot. But um, usually when I'm kind of testing the boundaries a bit obviously kind of like growing up and stuff you kind of see what you can get away with and what you can't um so I think it's mostly that where I just drive her over the edge a bit but you know she can be a bit annoying herself as well sometimes it's not all in my in my ballpark Katie I think you've got a good uh, good marks there really I was expecting much worse to be honest so I think you've you've done well you do you, would you agree with that uh, assessment um your friends most of the time uh, but there are sort of crunch points where you clash yeah, I mean, I th- I think we are very close, and it probably we are um, we are very close, and I, that's probably um, even more so because I was a single parent growing up with her. So there was it was like me me and her together until her younger brother came along, um, who's nine and Rosie seventeen. So we'd long time on our own together, um, and so it wasn't like there was me and another adult against her. It was, we had to work it out together and we did, you know, obviously did a lot of things like going on holidays together and spending weekends all alone together and everything. So we are very close and 
it probably has slightly diluted the the parent child relationship a bit that we you know we are are close like friends and that we've been um grown up what well, she's grown up you know with being able to talk to me about kind of and have me to herself um but there are times we uh kind of rub each other up the wrong way and i think i like i do have a i have another child a son who's nine and i was thinking about it before i came in here that um Rosie would actually probably be more emotionally time-consuming for me now than Alfie. And uh, although she's very capable of looking after herself and everything, and, and obviously there's that pull that she wants to break away from me and wants to become define herself as an adult, she can then collapse quite back quick, quickly into being a child and needing me. And, and if I don't respond quite quickly, and because of mobile phone she can get me very quickly... Um, I think she can be quite annoyed with me and quite resentful of me that I'm not responding as a mother quickly. And then so trying to tread that line between being a kind of very doughty mother, but also then um, treating her as an as another adult can can make for tensions. Yeah. Listening to your mum talk like that, Rosie, do you sort of see that uh, dilemma? Because on the one hand, you want to break away. You want to be your own person. But on the other hand, something bad happens and immediately you're like, oh. Oh, yes, I need no, you. Definitely. And how that must be difficult for your mother. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely still a big child at heart. <laughs> I'm I 48. Only, I still ring my mother like that. I only <laughs> crawled into my mum's bed last night after <laughs> I had a bad dream. So I still need my mummy all the time. But at the same time, there you go. Like I'm whenever I'm kind of like out with my friends, I'm kind of thinking I'm, you know, mad, you know. <laughs> Uh, and doing, doesn't answer her phone to me. Doing, <laughs> doing my own thing. But uh, I think like... I think your relationship with your mother when you're growing up as a teenager, you do still rely on them a lot. But I know definitely with me, I'm really reliant on my mum every single day. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Jen, you have loads and loads and loads of children. Millions. Yeah. <laughs> Millions. Of, although the official count last time was you're seven. You're like the young woman who lived in the shoe. I'm not going to say the old woman who lived in the shoe. Oh, it's all, yeah. yeah. But it is Thank funny how like, I have seven siblings, so there's yeah. eight in our family, but you've got seven children. Seven children. And that today, these days, is just, what oh, totally. the hell? <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with you, woman? Why would you have seven children? That's what most people think. We'll get that out of the way first. Why? Well, I, I always wanted a big family. It was always, as part of my, in my plan for the future, I was going to have lots of children, which is kind of strange because I never actually held a baby until I held Chloe. So I didn't have, I have three younger siblings, but they were too close in age to, for me to be mothering Involved them. in there, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just always, in my head, I thought I was going to have seven children. And as <laughs> your Paul came along and I, he did know, he did know I was saying, yeah, I'd like to have a large family. And then Chloe came along and it was totally different, obviously, to what I expected. You know, we're all these wonderful parents until we actually mm. become parents and we realise how hard it actually is. But even though I was finding parenthood and I did find the early stage of parenthood incredibly difficult and I had postnatal depression and all in Chloe and it was a really challenging time. But even though all those things happened, I still knew there was this drive within me to have more children. And I and I was really lucky that I was able to go on and actually have seven children. So it is definitely something that people look at me clearly to just kind of get me to just confirm again. <laughs> seven. Right, so we've done that. She's got loads of kids. <laughs> now yeah. let's talk about your teenagers. My because teenagers. that's what we're talking yeah. about. Mother and daughter uh, and, and indeed son relationships. It's mm. a challenging time. I and mean, we've heard a little bit yeah. from Rosie and Kitty about the different challenges. For you, what, what's your situation? How are you dealing with the teen years? So I have three teenagers. Um, my eldest is 18 and she's my daughter. And then my 15 and 13 year old son. And I think... 
it is definitely the most challenging time in parenthood. I, I know a lot of us, when we have small kids, we think, oh, it'll be just a little, that little bit easier when they get older. And you do hear about the terrible teens. Um, but I don't, I mean, they don't, they're so different to each other. I'm not sure there's necessarily a type of teen. It's just so hard to prepare for because there is that natural instinct in them to pull away and to want to grow up and to have that level of independence. And then as mothers, we're still trying to hang on to our babies. It's very hard to let go. And, and that would be a big pull between me and my children at home. I find it really hard to let go. And for my 18-year-old, and there she is, a grown woman, the fact I'm even saying that she's Can 18. Can I ask you something here? Because I'm sort of listening to you with seven kids. Would you not be kind of glad that some of them would be wanting to get to get out the door? <laughs> Does that make me sound terrible? No, no I agree. There is some great things about them I'm getting a little bit of no. There is, but I suppose there's that fear. There is still that instinct and that need to yeah. protect and you don't have that control anymore there, there was you know when they're small and they're waking up it's, it's very hard but when they're not home you're not necessarily sleeping any better because you're wondering are they okay are they going to get in mm. okay who are they with are they taking care of their drink you know how will they get home it's very hard to actually switch off when you've done mothering for so long it's very hard to switch off and then you're dealing with such different personalities I mean my three teens are so different to each other there are some that are going, I know will will challenge me more than others because that's just the nature of the beast and the nature of the different personalities. But it is absolutely the most challenging time of parenthood. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I was I was just wanting to agree with you, to, and it's not that I want to push you out the door, she Rosie. Loves you, it's Rosie. not that I want to push, but you do want them to get a bit more organised in their lives and a bit more self sufficient. Well, and sometimes yeah. when Rosie, sorry, <laughs> but the same with the nine year olds as well. I mean, you kind of like, can you just tie your own laces? I'm at that stage with him, but with Rosie, it might be more. Please don't lose your leap card again. Mm-hmm. Please don't, you know. I've heard that one plenty of times. <laughs> Please don't you know, ask me as your pl- uniform yeah, washed for work. Yeah, you know, <laughs> things like that. You're yeah. kind of going, okay, I've, you know, I'm totally emotionally worried about you and I want you to be well and I want you to be happy, but would you get some of the stuff together mm. for yourself, you know? And there is, I think, that um, there's a push pull for the parents as there well. Is. You're kind of very protective, but at the same time, kind of going, would you grow up a bit? But I think we've infantilized our teens an awful lot. I think that's a big difference between now and ourselves growing up. Yeah. I think they're not. I think it's really funny. You're 17, Rosie, are you? Yes. So when I, I was 17, I was living out of my house in a bedsit. And then very soon after that, I went to busk on the tube in London and I was living off my own resources and I was doing my own thing and you know I think back now and I'm looking at my nieces and nephews and the people I know that are your age and I mean it's not your fault it's just the way things Mm -hmm. are but I really think what you're saying is true you guys have a totally different um, we were sort of told get out there do your thing yeah you can call us occasionally but see you later yeah no it's definitely more sheltered kind of culture among teenagers now I mean I have one friend who has an apartment out in Bray and she lives out there but that's completely unheard of like I think that's so bloody cool mm. that she's living in an apartment on her own. I'm barely allowed to, you know, stay in my friend's <laughs> house overnight half the time. But you you'd be so lonely. You'd be so lonely in a. Are you too strict true. with with your child? There, I'm probably not strict enough, actually, to be honest. I mean, and I think that probably comes again from the big, the, the single parent kind of friendship type relationship where we've muddled along together doing so much together and working things out together and I mean and not like we've been having this kind of fantasy no, you it know. Sounds but the, it's just that yeah it hasn't been as defined as the parent-child relationship as mm-hmm. much as I think as if, if I had a husband or a partner where it would be like two against one <coughs> and um, so I think I probably 
I'm not as strict as other parents about kind of like I'm. you must be home by midnight and you must be. I'd be like, how are you getting home and make sure you get home, you know, and ring me and let me know what's happening. And so I think that leads to quite an open relationship and a free flow of information back and forth. And like, I, and I, you know, I know what she's having to drink and that she shouldn't be drinking. She's only 17, but I know because I've sometimes bought the drink for her because, you know, and but I prefer that. I prefer that she then tells me, Oh my God, someone off also offered me a couple of shots and I'm feeling really hungover today. You know, I prefer to know what's going on and that we have that very open relationship and, you know, and I know about, you know, the things that she's up yeah. to, I hope. Jen, do you feel that's important? I mean, you you were the one who brought up the infantilising of... Yeah. So how would you characterise that in your house? And, what, what you know, if you were yeah. to criticise yourself for that, mm. what, what do you think you've done or that you maybe should have done differently? Well, I think, I suppose, we have this whole... We have very different expectations of parents nowadays and I, we're expected to be so many different things. Than, and that that's maybe what makes it so hard to let go when they get that little bit older. And, and that makes us do things for them well beyond the stage that they're able to the do these things for themselves. The helicopter copter parenting and I am I think because I've had more kids nearly to practice on I have become more aware of that as I go down through the children Chloe would probably argue and I wouldn't accept it she'd probably probably argue that I am kind of strict but I had a really strict mum I know what strict is However, I a bit like Kitty, I'd be the same. I would like to know what she's doing. And so we do have that kind of open conversation. We, I do, you know, when it comes to having drinks, she's 18 now, so it's different. But she's not that long 18. Before she was 18, when she was 17 and going out with peers, we were having those conversations about what she was doing and what the rules were, what was acceptable and, and having, to let, having to accept certain things that I never thought that I would accept because I don't want to close the door. Because if you mm. say no too many times, then you stop being, people don't, you don't get asked anymore, you know, so... Yeah. That's really... And don't get told. And you don't get told. And that's, for me, been the biggest learning experience. It is so important. They talk about keeping the lines of communication open. Like it's, It's so beyond essential that you do that, that sometimes you have to compromise on things. Um, and so... There are rules and there are always were rules with her growing up and there would be an expectation that I knew where she was and who she was coming home with. And when she went out, say, one of the rules in my house would have been that she always came back to ours. So there was no problem if the pals came back and stayed. That was fine. But this was this was comforting for me to know that she always came back and stayed here in my home. And as I said, the pals could come back. The parents knew me, most of them knew me, and they were happy enough for their children to stay in my children. And I'm say children very loosely because they were 16, 17, mm. coming home and stay in my um my house and those rules kind of were always case and she didn't resist them too much now she would say that I am stricter on her than I am on her younger siblings but I think that's just the nature of the beast you are always going to be that little bit stricter on your eldest because they're your guinea pig they're the one you're trying things out on Yeah, uh, We gave you some homework to yes. read a book I think Jen you did your homework I did my homework Sorry. gold star for me <laughs> um, It's this book called Talk to Me by Anita Conlon mm. Uh, did you learn anything from it about the teenage raising, raising teenagers? I learned, I think, going um, reading through the book, that your relationship with your mother is extremely important because it came into the book the whole way through. It was re- everything that she spoke about. She re- referred back to how it worked in her day and what her mum did. And she did very much explain that it was different time as well. I think reading through a lot of it, I was nodding along in agreement. There were different parts maybe that I was on a different page to her, but there were some a lot of parts that I thought were really um, relevant and the whole idea of keeping those lines of communication open and not being shocked. Like that, the whole idea of not being shocked when your child turns to you 
and not giving her that whole horrified look. I think that's something that you do learn as a parent. Even if in your head you're screaming, going, what? You have to still kind of have the whole poker face going, going, tell me more because I need to hear more. Uh, I think she was brilliant about that um, when she was talking about different things, but having those kind of uncomfortable conversations. And she did... I, I, I agreed with her, you know, that it isn't just because it's an uncomfortable comfortable topic that doesn't excuse you from having it. And she talked about giving books and maybe letting somebody go away when, in terms of the sex talk, um, giving a book and letting them go away. She didn't like the idea of that. And I thought I agreed with her there totally, even though, again, we'd have used books. It was the whole idea of actually keeping those conversations open. It's not something that you just go away and read privately and it's all terribly taboo and shy and we don't discuss it. Um, and so I agreed with her about things like that. For me, a lot of the conversations that she referred referred to had been happening from a very young age anyhow so when we got to the stage of the sex talk which was really where a lot of it was going talking about sex and sexuality and all that we were having those conversations in an age appropriate manner from quite a young state if you're from a young age but also in a very natural setting you know it wasn't a case of well we better cover this now because you're three and four and let's do something age appropriate it was just so easy to do I mean if I think back, Chloe used to love watching birth. Well, I loved watching birthing videos. I was obsessed with watching women give birth after I did. You know, the one, no, <laughs> even having experienced the horror of it, I was still seven obsessed. Times. Seven times. <laughs> it's amazing how you forget till you pee on that stick and the two lines come <laughs> up again. But even having watched, uh, I used to like watching the birthing videos, something which my mother-in-law was horrified that I let Chloe watch right. with me because she was allowed three. allowed you to have chats with her. It allowed us to just, but she wasn't troubled by mm. seeing the exit route. You know? So then, then it was just that natural mm. progression and it was biology and it was mm, normal yeah. and I have it was to, so easy. I have to go and ask Rosie about the sex talk. I'm fascinated. Um, so how do you find all that with your mum? Is, is that stuff you could talk about with her or do you feel embarrassed? Or No, definitely. Like I've kind of developed such an open um, relationship with my mum, which is, I mean, and I'm not trying to call anyone out on this, but it's completely different to my relationship, say, with my dad. I think that's because with my dad growing up, it was such kind of like fatherly, you know, um, uh, dominant kind of relationship where he was he was always kind of laying down the law and telling me what was on and what wasn't. Whereas my mum kind of let me go out and explore, you know, the world myself and figure stuff out for myself. And then if I ever wanted to kind of come back to her and ask her advice about stuff or you know, talk to her about, you know, stuff that was going on. She would never kind of, like, shut me down or say, you know, no, that's not on you, never to do that again. Like, she just kind of helped me through whatever. I um, think it's about, sorry to interrupt, but I yeah, think it's about right. never being shy about subject mm. matters. Like, so I just, like, I remember Rosie asking me once, like, what, tam- you know, she found my tampons and she was asking me what they were and you were probably about five or six. I said, oh, that's for when you're older, you'll have periods too. And and that's just when women bleed and kind of told her a bit about how it works. And so w- w- nothing was ever like, oh, God, I'll tell you when you're older. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah, you know, let's just talk about it, you know. Yeah. So I think... Um, and I suppose that again, the fact that she lived with me, lives with me and would see her father less frequently. So it would be a more sort of kind of uh, less close really relationship with her dad, for, to be honest, you know. Um, I think it's a different kind of close. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think um, when you are so like uh, closed off um, with one of your parents, like when you feel like you can't go to them about that kind of stuff because they'll be too angry, you know, they won't let you out on the weekend. Or uncomfortable, yeah. Um, It definitely kind of closes you off more and you're less likely to kind... You're more likely to do stuff behind their back. You're not going to open up to them. You're not going to, you know, 
come to them when you're in trouble with something because you're too scared of how they're going to react. I never had that with my mum. Like, I've literally gone to my mum about, you know, anything. Like, like I never have to worry about her literally losing the rag. She's just going to be like, okay, let's just sort and this out. And her friends come to me, actually, I was going to say, stuff, you, yeah. you know that you're very lucky in that because I imagine if you look around, I mean, again, without p- finger-pointing mm-hmm. anybody, but I'm, I'm sure when you think of your friend circle and their relationship with their mums Definitely. and dads, do you think it's different or what, what do you notice? Definitely, like, some of my friends who basically live at my house at this stage some of my friends are overstaying at mine so much you're basically and, um, running a hostel are you yeah, yeah, pretty much. sounds like you are Jen as well <laughs> pretty much um, a lot of my friends are always commenting on how um, like not in a bad way but like how relaxed my mum is and how like you know if my friends are ever chatting shit to me about or chatting you know rubbish to me it's about okay. whatever um, then my mum will kind of chime in and be like right well this is what you need to do you know what don't lose us you're going to be grand um, so it's definitely kind of a safe space with my mum, which is in a contrast to how a lot of other, um, you know, kind of heavy, full-on mothers would be with their children. So I don't know. But I think definitely in terms of kind of like the sex talks and stuff and then, um, you know, kind of coming to your parents about, you know, problems to do with your body or to do with, say, you needed like, I don't even know, plan B pill. Who knows? It all happens. Um, coming to your parents about anything or talking to them about drink. You know Katie's I mean? turning green here. I just want to say. <laughs> Stuff like that. Natural things as a girl growing up. It all happens to us. But I definitely think they're kind of things that are going to happen to you inevitably if you're out kind of doing stuff with your mates and all. I think, um, I think the more open you are about it, talking to your kids, like they're going to be safer in the long term, if you get me. Like, they're going to they'll find a way kind of like out of those situations if they feel like they can come to you about it and they don't feel like it's weird or forbidden or, no, like, I can't have that kind of conversation with my caregiver. Like, you, do you know what I mean? Like, that's what they're there for. The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. Can I ask you something just because we don't often have a 17-year-old in this studio. Um, You know this thing about sending each other pictures of people with no clothes on and stuff? Yeah, I can't even say it to see how (laughs) bad I am. I mean, can you explain that to me as as something in terms of, is it very normal, natural, nothing to be weird about? Because like for me and, uh, you know, for Jen and Kitty, our generation, uh, even thinking of it, it's just... It's weird. I I still find it horrific and I'm trying to get my head around it in a way that's more modern. So what what is it, what's your situation and your feelings about it? Um, I think, I think that whole kind of like sending nudes culture kind of comes down to vulnerability and stuff with young girls. Um, And maybe it kind of comes down as well to relationships with mothers and stuff not getting the validation from your parents from an early age I don't Tell know some of the pictures you've shown me of your of some of the girls well like definitely like it isn't even just sending it to people like there's a lot of girls I've seen online um, putting up absolutely awful pictures um, like completely bearing all of their skin like on social media everything you know putting it up for the world to see on Instagram or something on Instagram you know um, a photo sharing platform called Visco um and everything. And why are they doing that? Um, I think I think young girls, especially, it, it isn't so much around anymore. It was definitely more when we were younger, like 13, 14, there was a lot of it going on, um, first or second year. But I think a lot of it is kind of 
Um, girls who are really easily impressionable and, you know, guys can get it out of them really easily. I think guys do tend to go for, to get that kind of thing out of really vulnerable girls who are kind of needy and, and want the validation and feeling like they're good enough and feeling like they're getting a bit of approval out of someone. Mm. And so I've always thought that that probably comes from um, not getting enough approval when you were young from your parents and, you know, uh, feeling like you need to get it out of someone else when you're older. It's really interesting, Jen, listening to that. Have you had any experiences of having to deal with that among your teenagers? Um, Thankfully, nobody has come to me to say that they've been sent nudes, but they're very much aware of the whole culture and pals of theirs have sent nudes. I've had the conversations about not sending nudes, you know, and the sort of things that you need to do. But it's there for life. It's there for life and you've lost control. Once it's out there, it's there and the person, I know that there might be follow-up things that can be done, but it's there for life and you don't know who has it and that's that's the, the danger. You don't know who's access to it. So we've had those conversations but it seems to be a thing that a lot of girls and it, it, it tends to be generally girls obviously who are sending the news feel again like Rosie's saying for the validation you know and the whole maybe belief that there is this expectation this is what boys want this is what boys expect mm-hmm. this is what I need to do to get the boy I want or keep the boy I want happy and make sure he doesn't move on to somebody else and that's kind of horrifying and terrifying and Katie how have you dealt with that because you were saying you've seen some of the pictures Yeah that well I mean I suppose as Rosie said sort of like three or four years ago Rosie was telling me and showing me some of the photos that girls would send of, you know, of themselves topless and that sort of thing. I mean, I very quickly said, don't ever, ever, ever mm-hmm. do that. And it's not because I'm being censorious. It's because that's, you you know, it's there forever. You don't know. You can never, you can't pull it back. It can be shared around the whole school. There's been loads of cases where girls have like, you know, left school or... Um, but she or was they haven't haven't came in for weeks or something because they're so uh, disgraced and embarrassed about stuff that happened. Boys, is there ever a case where the boys can't come into school because they're so disgraced or embarrassed? No, it's never it's never the same thing with boys. It's always the girls are the one getting slut shamed and you know called horrible names, mm. um, just because for sending a picture that you know they thought they were safe doing that in the moment. Um, and it's always, you know, guys kind of texting them, being like, oh, I won't I won't take a picture of it. I won't show anyone. Don't worry. You can trust me. And then, boom, screenshots sent around all the boys' group chats for everyone to see. The next morning, it's spread to all the group chats around Dublin. Do you know what I mean? And that's the thing. It's not even just within one school anymore. And it's, it's going to all the schools. The rise of social media and everything, it's so easy to spread stuff so fast. And especially something like that, people are just ruthless. Like, people don't think before sending that around. Have you had had any bad experiences in that way, Rosie? That you know you've learned from, or that you? you know? I've I've I have always found the whole concept of sending a nude picture to someone so, um, just so kind of weird to me. Just I would never kind of trust someone enough with having that on their phone. Fair enough if you're having an intimate moment in person with someone that you actually trust and that you're with. But I think. Uh, you know, kind of getting yourself all, um, you know, positioned up and taking a picture of yourself to send and you don't know what's going to happen with it. I just don't think you should ever give anyone, no matter who they are, the trust with that. Um, but I do, I do know a load of girls who have just been so unlucky with what has happened to them. And it honestly is just a roll of the dice. You don't know what's going to happen. But there is off. so much pressure, like even, you know, obviously not just not to send nudes, but I just I think there's huge pressure on young girls 
to the selfie culture and the sending and the mm. beauty and the I mean Rosie won't mind me saying that she does put an awful lot of pressure on herself to have the nails done the false eyelashes I was the, admiring your manicure I do have yes. to say thank you very much for saying it <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the tan and the, and a different dress for every event and you know and huge I mean no, I it's just definitely sorry this, but the standards have gotten so so high for girls and like, can I ask though, is it, is it standards, is it in certain areas? Because I still see people your age going around, not with tans, not with manicures, wearing jeans, looking like 17 year olds. I still think yeah. they're out there. I don't, I wonder, is it certain, certain places that that has to be um, lived like up to? Of, like, of course, there's going to be people who go by different like styles and everything, you know, the tan and the nails isn't going to do it for everyone, but um like I like I don't put the tan on and get my nails done uh, because I feel like I have to because of society in my head. Maybe subconsciously I'm kind of thinking that I have to, but um, like definitely if you're not kind of uh, done up in a certain way that uh, reflects the same way that Instagram models would be, you know, made up on their Instagram or, um, you know, how celebrities kind of go about the place, there's definitely an expectation like that. And if you aren't up to standard, you're kind of considered not good looking enough to invite to the party or nah, I won't add her on Snapchat. She's rotten. Like she's not good looking and you won't get any attention from guys. You most likely will be considered a weirdo in school. You know, you won't get in the friend group. You won't. And it's definitely like there's so much of it comes down to what you look like. It makes me so sad, Rosie. Yeah, like, because, no, it's you know, horrible. Um, it's just the idea of someone like you, smart, lovely, uh, inside and out, has to kind of worry about that stuff in order to be, what, popular, invited to things? Acceptable. Like, That's exactly it. Even yeah. at a base level, acceptable. just acceptable. Uh, Jen, are you hearing anything familiar here? Oh, it's all so familiar. Like, yeah. when Chloe going through school, this is all the same sort of thing I'd have heard. It's the same sort of thing I'd have witnessed as yeah. well, where... The, the groups, particular groups of girls that were friends, they'd all look the same. There is a particular look, you know, to be it's part like uniform of uniform almost. It is. It's yeah. a kind of the clone teenage girl. And, and and there is that uniform look, as Rosie said. But there's also the to appeal to boys. And because boys could only be seen maybe with a certain type of look as well, you know, because it's not just down to personality. Is what does she look like on my arm? Very you know? important. Very important. And that's to the boys, it's yeah. really, really hard because when you're raising a teenage daughter and you're trying to instill that this how you look yes if you want to look nice that's fine but that is not who you are that is not what defines you and to kind of encourage them not to allow others define you by that those standards either it's a really really difficult challenge because it's hard to say that when Kisha, everything else around them is, is, is contradicting absolutely. you absolutely have none of our feminist messages or none of our sort of what we've have none of them gotten through to this this just sounds so reductive and so Backwards yeah. in terms of us saying that, you know, as women, we are more than our nails, our hair, our, our skin colour. We are more than fitting into a Kardashian type of... Well, I mean, we, we I mean, one, I suppose, you know, we're older, so we've been through the, 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 the ups and downs of realising that actually, you know, how we look doesn't matter as much as... But for, so society is saying to these young women and is commodifying them and selling them mm. this image that they must... I mean, the amount of money that's being made by mm. capitalism out of nail bars and false eyelashes and hair extensions and all that wasn't being made when we were teenagers exactly. is phenomenal. So it's, you know, there's a whole industry around this pressure on young women. 
Um, but also we're kind of guilty of it as well because we can say all this stuff about it doesn't matter how we look. But then I do put on the makeup every morning and, you know, you know I'm in the shower thinking what will I wear? You know, it, it does matter to us as well. Mm. But I, I think that young vulnerable women, particularly with social media, are such easy targets. And for all us saying to them, it doesn't matter what you look like, just wear a tracksuit and it's a hoodie and you look fantastic. No one else is saying that to them, that that matters to them. No one else is saying that. Your influence is so important because really what we say is great. Yeah, they'll listen to your mum, they'll listen to a degree. What do you know? But at the end, exactly like we were with our own mothers, you're old, you don't know, (laughs) you know, you don't understand, you don't know today's pressures. It's different and it is different. It is very different. And we can't quite know it the same way. I have one little uh, 10, 10 year old, nearly 11 year old who really, really doesn't care what she looks like, what she wears. I've yeah. another one who kind of is into a bit more of what, what we're going to mm. wear, but it's not, they're only, they're not your age, so they're not yeah. in that teen thing yet. But, you know, I really, I kind of encourage the one who, who really like, comes down in the most mismatched sort of, I'm going, like, sometimes I have to kind of go, oh, look, maybe, <laughs> maybe go back up, yeah. there's a hole in that or whatever. Um, and I, I kind of, it, it breaks my heart to think that, I mean, I'm sure it's going to happen. But I love her personality is that she really just wants to get on and get out there. She wants to wear stuff that's comfortable so that when she's hanging upside down, she's not going to feel that's embarrassed right. or anything. Yeah. She wants to play basketball. That's what her clothes do for her. Can she move in them? Can she run around? And, you know, I suppose at some point she's going to get into secondary school and then it's going to look around and think, oh, I need to fit in. And it sort of happens to all of us, I suppose. But mm. it is it's about, about modifying in. it, though, like and saying, yeah. is there anyone in your circle that doesn't do those things? Or, and would you would you look down on someone who didn't? Uh, no, it's definitely less of a thing now. I think um, I think people have. I know, like I'm saying this. I'm only seventeen. It's not like I'm, you know, a fully grown woman. But I feel like people have definitely matured more in that kind of mindset recently. Hmm. Um, I know there definitely used to be a lot of pressure. Like there was, you know, a certain type of coat that you had to buy, and I couldn't get it from any other shop. It had to be from this shop because all my friends had that one. Do you know? What Do I you mean? remember that, Katie? Bershka. Bershka. Bershka <laughs> coats. <laughs> you had to get a certain pair of runners. You had to what get, were they? you know, uh, I don't know, Nike Air Max or something. Whatever was cool at the time, and. Um, like even now still there are certain things that everybody has and you kind of think to yourself oh they're so nice everyone has them I'd love to get them myself but um, I think people are definitely growing out of it the older through their teenage years they get Mm. Um, but yeah like I don't I feel like it does depend on the person to be honest I feel like a lot of people would be more judgy about it Um, I can think of a few people straight away who I know have been like a bit have looked down on people quite a bit say they wanted to wear bright pink flares into school you know I can think of a few people who would turn around and be like what the hell is she wearing what a weirdo but um I think it's gotten a lot better recently there's still a huge culture for it though Mm. do you know what I mean getting what's um what's current I mean last year you have still have to have a new dress for every Exactly. You know, and that That's disposable so fashion, you know, yes. that the opali yeah. and the pretty little thing. It's all from the internet, isn't it? It's yeah, like, these sites. You're not going to nice vintage shops and finding some kind of cool. No, absolutely no. not. But then they do, but they... <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> but then they share them around, you know, so Rosie yeah. will wear one oh, and she'll right, buy it okay. and well, then it can be passed good. around yeah, for other people. Awesome. But they'll never wear the same dress to, to, uh, to another thing. So she got a dress for a, night, for a night out there on Saturday, a pre-Debs, 60 euro. Um, she won't ever wear it again, but a few of the other girls will. Are you and serious, Rosie? Back, back in the box, That's it came Thunberg in. taught you nothing. What's going on? It, going in one ear out the other <laughs> when it comes to the nights out. 
<laughs> but I mean, I'm witnessing the exact same thing. This is not, this is across across the ages. Um, this whole idea of yeah, these are great ideals, but I still have to look a certain way, and that has to come first. And that's really hard. As I suppose when you're that little bit older and you're going, oh lads, come on, don't let us lose, don't let us lose hope and faith. And you're the young people who know these things, which yeah. change the world for you. But we, it is that whole idea of we'll change the world as long as it doesn't interfere with my night out yeah, and I look great. Exactly. I mean, I have to say, you know, I don't because I don't want to come sound like I'm 102. Like when we were your age, when we were your age, we also had our own kinds of uniforms. They were just a little less constrictive, I think. I mean, yeah, there was, I mean, I'm thinking back, I remember, I don't know, for us, there was a lot of royal blue. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of Diamante jewellery. I'm thinking, I'm talking about the 80s. Yeah. Um, so black we did, and yellow face. Do you remember the black and no, every, I don't wearing black, black and yellow? No, I remember you had to have your shoes from um, that shop on Henry Street. Maybe uh, Simon Simon Hart was yeah. it? Was it Simon Hart? Something called yeah. the buckles on the yes, shoes. Yeah. So I mean, like we weren't in any way as cool or as we didn't have the internet. We didn't have any of those things. So the role models we had were kind of top of the pops, maybe. Or there is still a lot of influence from fashion yeah. magazines and yeah, pop yeah, magazines and everything. Exactly. It's just it's just on a different scale these days. I think. Yeah, and I think you can actually put makeup on like we yeah. couldn't like we were yeah. like this with our <laughs> eyeliner screeched across our eyes looking horrific yeah. like you guys look as if you have come out of a magazine I mean Cheers. I see kids on the street these days and I'm just thinking like I said they're all models it's, but it's, that's because they spend um, literally <laughs> hours watching makeup tutorials online on YouTube so Rosie you know have watches I mean like it's not even that I didn't spend you know all my time growing up watching makeup tutorials I don't care for makeup tutorials but I think it is because information is so accessible now um, that you're always you are always seeing videos popping up on your timeline and everything for you know eyeliner tutorials yeah. and you know, how to contour your face like Kim Kardashian and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Is that stuff. not over? Are we not over that Kim Kardashian contouring? Like, hello? Well, so old fashioned. it's always around. I mean, her is contour it? does slay, so. <laughs> but I suppose that's the difference, isn't it? At least within, when we were growing up, there was a photograph and whoever you showed the photograph to, that's all, that they're the only people who saw it. Where now you've yeah. done yourself up yeah. and it's on social media and everybody can see yeah. it. So yeah, they have to get the 75 likes within uh, five exactly. minutes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like Otherwise, the likes, the likes. Yeah. So, Rosie, I want to ask you, what if you've, you've described a very good relationship with Kitty and it seems like this very healthy and even among your friends it's acknowledged as such mm-hmm. if you were to ask her to change one thing at the moment or something that you'd like her to take on board and do differently you have a good opportunity here and we'll rec- we've recorded this so therefore you can play <laughs> it back when she promises to try and do it is there anything there that you wish she would work on a bit in terms of your relationship um Anything I would like to say to my mum about a relationship. I mean, like, she's pretty good among all the different um, mediums. Like, she's, she's good at everything. I don't think there's anything I would really say to her. Oh, I mean, sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes. Um, I think giving your teenagers the space to kind of... to. Like, I think with teenagers, a lot of emotional mood swings come through it. I definitely find it hard sometimes to manage my highs and lows that come with all of the hormones and everything when you're a teenager. And I think you can be so quick to forget if you've, like, already grown up through all of that, how difficult it can be sometimes. And I think my mum can be so quick sometimes to kind of just rise and be like, oh, would you cop on, get over yourself? Do you know what I mean? When I'm in hysterics about, you know... So what would you like her to do more in those situations? 
be a bit more, you know, relate to me a bit more. Because even though times are different with teenage girls and everything, um, it's still kind of, it's still all the same growing experiences that you go through, even if it's on a different extent. Katie, do you take that on board? I do take that on board. Yeah, (laughs) no, I I mean, I suppose that is what, and I suppose it it comes also to being really busy as a a working mother and everything, that, um, that not just kids, but I think teenagers even more actually do need the space and time to work out who they are. They're working out who they are. They're, they're growing from child into adult. And they do need space and patience um, to kind of work it all out. And I do, yes, yeah, sometimes I probably do when Rosie's kind of, you know, talking at, at great length about some issue to do with uh, shoes or uh, or maybe something more important than that, you know, to do with how she's feeling about a subject she's chosen that she's doesn't like anymore or something and we'll go into great detail about it that I might just go oh well just change it you know or just you know whereas I probably do need sometimes to sit but it's but it's about time I know. you know and and kids don't like small kids don't require that amount of time teenagers really do require more of your emotional investment yeah. we don't have one of your teenagers here Jen what do you think say yeah. Chloe might say to you your eldest uh, teenager oh cause I, I know what Chloe's going to say she's going to say let me grow up <laughs> and that's and I do. I, well, I hope I do. I, I think she'd agree with me in, in this respect. I, we do have, we are very, very close. We do have that wonderful relationship. She is my right-hand woman. And I am, um, I mean, I'm so proud that I got the chance to be her mom. But I do find it really hard to let go. I, I dread the day. I'm perfectly honest. I dread the day she moves out. I dread the day. Well, it probably won't be for it 10 years. For so 10. Don't worry. Yeah, but yes, maybe, maybe it's not all bad. <laughs> but, uh, but the upside yeah. to the housing crisis. The upside to the housing crisis, exactly. <laughs> so, but um, she's, um, look, she's fabulous. And I'm, I, I think she would probably say, though, if it came down to it, it would be just... Let me go a little bit because that is the part. And she's right. It is the part that I hands up find the hardest. Every single milestone she has met, more so than any of the others. And it's because she's my first. I mean, some people say it's because she's my daughter, but I actually think it's because she's my first. Um, that she came, every milestone has been so hard for me to go, oh no, we're never doing that again. It's happened. It's another sign, another move towards that kind of independence and growing up. But it's only because I love her so much. I think it's interesting that you've had loads of kids and it makes really sense to me listening to you now because I mean, I, I don't know what it is with me. I don't, I don't have as much sent, sentimentality around oh, my, my kids um, growing up. But then I feel like there's something wrong with me. But I think it's just different personalities, isn't mm-hmm. it? And, yeah. um, you know, I'm happy for them to get to the to the next bit. It's not that I want them, you know, it's not that I want to be rid of them yeah. or anything. But I, mm-hmm. I send, I think, I think maybe my mum was like that too. And maybe that's where I get it. It's just a more like a kind of, a, okay, this is the natural f- cycle of life. They yeah. don't belong to me. They need the natural thing is that's that they need to get exactly up it. and grow out well, away from me, and and as yeah. long as I've let them to, in the world and they're able, mm-hmm. that's that's my job done, and that's the satisfaction I'll get rather than yeah, you know, yeah. On I mean, to I'm them, I'm conscious it? of missing them and missing like yeah. I look at I look at Rosie and I look at Alfie who's who's I keep saying he's nine, but I I already look at him and think about when he was four or five and yeah. go I miss four or five year old okay. and there's that lovely Yeats poem um, the cradle song where he's he's kissing his little daughter Anna in the in the in the bed and she's I think she's meant to be three or four in it and he says I sigh as I kiss you for I must own that I will miss you when you are grown and I think that and I do think of that sometimes well, you're making me even a bit sentimental yeah, yeah because, I mean, because they're gone you know and they yeah. never they're not going to remember that little person they were but you remember that little person yeah. they were 
and you're never going to get them back. And that that is kind of I do feel that sometimes yeah. that sadness about it. Yeah. But at the same time, I wish you'd stop losing your leap card. Yeah, Yeah, let's bring it back to reality. Uh, This has been a very interesting conversation. In that book that we gave you, Talk To Me, she talks about different um, conflict styles, right? She has uh, the ostrich and the volcano and the sulker. So I was wondering which one Rosie is. Oh, in terms of the... And you So someone who sticks their head in the sand, someone who blows up and someone who sulks. Yeah. Um, I'd say mixture of volcano and... I never blow up. She doesn't actually. I'm so level-headed. Yeah, we we don't blow up too much at each other. No, we don't. There's no door slamming or anything. But um, no, actually, if Rosie's upset with me, she expresses it quite forthrightly. Have you ever said to your mum, I didn't ask to be born? That was my main thing that I said to my mum. I never asked to be born. Um, no, I don't think I've ever said oh, that. That's I'm, you're, you're not I'm, a proper teenager, Rosie. I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty grateful to be here. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I Even do. on the bad days. It's great. Yeah. No, it was just when I was a teenager and I was getting all head up with my mother, there was a lot of slamming doors, yeah. a lot of throwing things and a lot of, I didn't ask to be born. I thought yeah. I was a delight. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any I didn't ask to be borns in your eyes? Out of seven, there must be Out one. Out of seven. Um, I have... Um, do you know, it's funny, of the three teens, I have one teen who was, I suppose, middle of the road in terms of kick, had her kicks off. Well, I've just identified her now, the only girl. <laughs> <laughs> the one who kind of kicked off a little bit. But in fairness, most of the time she gave me a quite an easy ride. I have a totally children. And I have another one who has an artistic, has artistic interests and art, an artistic temperament to match. So I reckon oh. the teen years should be interesting. But that's the thing with them. It's just that different way of expressing themselves and the different ways yeah. of dealing with frustration. And, yeah. you know, it is hard. It is hard being a teen as well in with all the all the pressures that there are and also I suppose when you've got parents who don't want to let go <laughs> so can we give some nice advice for all of you uh, some ki- people who are about to have teenagers or in the middle of the teenage years finding it difficult Rosie what advice do you give to parents out there who are struggling a bit with the teen years just be as open to all of their messes that they get into as you can because it's completely natural for teenagers to go a bit off the rails like you always hear about you know, teenagers causing trouble and stuff, it happens. But you just have to be as open as you can about it. Because if you restrict them back and make them feel like, you know, burdens, then it's only going to get worse. That's all I can say. So just be as open as you can. I'm looking forward to your parenting book, actually. It's going to be very good. Uh, Kitty, fellow travellers in the teen world, what would you say? Um, well, I suppose one thing, and I've never told Rosie this, but sometimes even in the middle of times when you're actually going, I actually hate her, I hate her. Sad. Remember, you love her. And she's, you know, because I do, I have had to sometimes remember, to remind myself, you love her. She's really annoying at the moment. But, you know, remember where you're coming from on this. So I suppose that's, you know. It's re- very honest. Of actually you. remember you love them. <laughs> I don't think you'll have any trouble remembering you. <laughs> I think I think the one thing I'd say to anybody who has a child in the teenage years is to, I suppose, along what Rosie was saying about keeping the lines of communication open, but also never like to kind of get over your own levels of discomfort and to get over your own issues because these are the realities that, teens are in and this is the situation that you're dealing with and you can't shy away from something just because it's uncomfortable. One friend said to me and it was really funny, I laughed at her at the time but there is a an element of truth to it. She said, you should treat all teens as if they're pathological liars. Now I'm not sure it was completely <laughs> straightforward but it was that reminder when you were a teen yourself you know, that you own, your parents only knew what you wanted them to know and it's it's important to make it easy for them to actually want you to know more yeah. you know, and it's important not to overreact and 
to, to, I suppose, just not to be horrified, not be horrified by anything you hear. And remember, it's a passing phase. It is a passing phase. Like That's the exactly other side. <laughs> OK, this too will pass. Um, well, I think you're a lovely teenager, Rosie. Kitty, well done. And it sounds like you're doing a great job as well, Jen. Um, so we'll probably have you back in your 20s and see how she's no coping worries, with I that. You see it. if you're still crawling into the bed, which I suspect you probably will be. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> and Roshi, to you, good luck. <laughs> May the force be with you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it for today. Thanks to our guests, Jen Hogan, Kitty Holland and her daughter, Rosie. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Acast and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. The Women's Podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.